Welcome to the Call to Action Podcast, where we bring you incredible people and even more incredible stories with discussions and topics about what it takes to sacrifice everything to overcome hardships and failures to achieve success. Our guests heard the call. Now it's your turn. As a kid, that's that was what I used to do is I used to break stuff, put it back together, you know, make stuff fly that shouldn't fly. Um, we won't talk about the pet cat. That was a different story. <laughs> but, um, Did it involve gasoline or no, lighter no, no, on no, accident? No, 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 but I could tell you that the cat wasn't supposed to fly three feet off the ground. But he did. <laughs> but he did. So Hell yeah, uh, it did. Yeah. So you know, basically, you know, that is uh, that's the goal is you know the implementation of the software, the hardware, um, and scaling it. See tappers. Thanks for tuning in for another episode. This is part one with Neil Lesher. My goodness, he's an investment banking expert and analyst turned entrepreneur. Uh, went through various entrepreneurial journeys, went through an exit, made some money, and now is on a new journey to bring us amazing technology called Phone Quad. And you won't be able to tell this episode is a banger. He is an incredible man, an individual to talk to. He's funny. He's witty. He's very intelligent. But sometimes, you know, we hit those old bumps in the road called technical issues. And my goodness, uh, we've had some technical issues in the past. This one surpassed them all. Literally thought, might as well just jump off the cliff. <laughs> And uh, just end my podcasting career because it was so clunky. We had the camera fail. We had the platform we were using took a took a dump a couple times. But you know what? Just like just like uh, we've heard from our previous guests, and you'll hear in this one, perseverance and endurance and the will to finish the job is all you need sometimes. That's what we did here. I'm sure you'll get a kick out of this one. You'll enjoy it. Won't even notice any blips because yours truly works some magics with these fingers. But uh, Neil, thank you so much for coming on the show, providing so much value to our community. And we hope in even in a small way, we can return the favor and help spread the word of Phone Quad and what your journey is and who you are. And we thank you from the bottom of our heart. Part one, Neil Lesher, lock and loaded. Let's go. Our next guest is the founder and CEO of Lestronics Drone Systems, a UAV drone technology company based out of Westchester, New York, who are developing the first hovering smartphone case called PhoneQuad. PhoneQuad is a hands-free way of communication taking pictures and videos using its compact, durable, and foldable drone phone case. The selfie stick is soon to be a blip in the past. Hashtag selfie stick sucks. Aside from currently inventing one of the coolest ways for IG models to get that perfect booty shot or simply capture a special family vacation photo, he's a serial entrepreneur having developed and sold multiple retail businesses and has decades of IT experience in the investment banking sector. With the pace of life going by like a New York minute, 
This man is bringing the world the opportunity to capture those special moments hands-free with a freaking floating phone drone. He's a mad scientist, and boy, are we excited to talk to him today. Please welcome our next guest to the show, Neil Lesher. What's up, gentlemen? Good to be with you. Good to meet you. I am excited to be here and spread the word about Phone Quad and hopefully uh, get people excited on a global basis. And there's no no doubt about that. Uh, you know, looking through your your product and what you sent us on your website, and even some of the uh, documentation you guys have put around it is really impressive. Oh, yeah. But by the way, hashtag selfie stick sucks. We're 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 phrasing that, so we don't want to see a t-shirt next week, Neil. Uh, on sale is your best seller. With that on, let's do a little rev share deal. You know. <laughs> COVID's no, a little tough. You guys are going to dollar a unit. All right. I'm down. That's done. We'll, we'll send the contract over afterwards. <laughs> there you go. There you go. So before we jump into Phone Quad and, and just that crazy story and uh, hear about how you got into inventing and, and all of the good stuff, we're going to put you through a warm-up first, kind of like what athletes do before a big, big show, the big game. All right. We're going to put Let's you go. through a prefrontal cortex warm-up through the brain freeze frenzy, random wild array of questions, rapid fire, are you ready? Ready to rock. Let's do it. Number one, what's the greatest invention that you think is the greatest invention in the last five to 10 years other than phone quad, of course? There's a rough one. There's a lot out there. There's a lot of you know, network engineering. There's a lot of physics um, there's a lot of folks in, in my field as well as, you know, other areas of, uh, of networks and how, you know, let's say the global markets connect to global investment banks and what people do with data uh, and how data is stored and what Amazon is doing and, you know, cloud technology and AI. You know, I, I honestly, I can't put my finger on one specific platform or company. There's incredible things going on um, in, in biotechnology, in artificial intelligence, uh, in unmanned aerial vehicle technology. Um, you know, so I can tell you something that I thought of that I did not act upon back in the day. That'll uh, freak you out a little bit. Let's hear it. Um, okay. You know, I probably... 1986, 87, I'm 16, 17 years old. And uh, I took a pen and a piece of paper uh, and I drew a little glass ocular piece and I, I drew some wiring behind it and some circuitry. And I wanted to drill a hole through the front door of my oh, parents' no. house. And I, a little three by three screen would go on the inside of your door. So the outside magnetic and magnifying ocular piece would fit to this three by three digital screen on the inside of your house. So you'd have a video doorbell hey. so that you'd be able to see. So your parents, and when you're walking by, you know who's coming up to the front door. So oh, I drew it, I documented it. And at 16, you know, I wasn't as focused as I am, you know, <laughs> pushed a few decades later. Um, so I never did anything about it. And uh, an inventor and an innovator who I have a lot of respect for, Jamie Siminoff, who was on Shark Tank. Yes. Um, Ring. Knocked, knocked the cover off the ball. None of the sharks liked it. They didn't believe in it. He stepped off the screen and uh, the exposure was amazing. And Richard Branson stepped in. I believe Shaq stepped in. Mm -hmm. Amazon bought it for a billion dollars. So, you know. 
sometimes uh, things cross your path and you either grab it or you don't. And, uh, you know, you either steer the path or the path steers you. Yeah. So. And Ring is right here on Silicon Beach, too. We know them very well. And, and in, yeah. in fact, because they're right here on Silicon Beach and we have some existing relationships out there, we were able to get our hands on an early prototype. So we kind of had like the V1. It lasted a couple oh, months yeah. before it overheated itself, but we still have one. <laughs> yeah, it's incredible. It's, it's our like it's incre- I have it in my house. I have it in my house. You yeah, know, absolutely. great technology. It's it's, it's a decent, you know, decent hardware. It's not the best, but the software makes up for a lot of the issues that I think the hardware deficits are. So I think uh, that's where they put their their money because the you know at the end of the day, the end user is typically just your your average you know, household, they're not, you know, super high tech hardware nerds. So if it works and it's good enough and it does the job, then it's good. But yeah, their software is amazing, man. It's uh, It's amazing. And as they upgrade, they'll be able to push it. They'll be able to push the software to the planet. Um, You know, it's like if you're an engineer and you need to push software to a desktop and you have a hundred people that are on the receiving end of some kind of major upgrade, it's a similar scenario. I mean, and that's something I'm focused on as well. So, you know, they have an amazing platform, super successful. They have an outstanding distribution model. Amazon stepped in, did their thing. And, uh, you know, it's another platform that helped change the world, add a level of security to your family. And it works. It makes sense. It's economical. Um, and, and like you say, it's all about the software and obviously the stability of the Wi-Fi in your home and the surrounding area. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it, it connects you to your neighbors so if anything funky is going around in the neighborhood, everybody can let you know what's going on. And so there's a lot of functionality in, in a small package. That's what makes it uh, so successful. I have a feeling you've, you're, you're baking that into your own uh, invention as well. And we'll get to that in just a sec. Neil, what is your morning routine? So here's what's interesting about Neil. Um, I don't really sleep. You know, I'm just one of those guys that I am uh, super wired naturally. I'm up, you know, my wife and my kids are sleeping at 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night. And that's kind of when the creativity kicks in. I'm downstairs. I'm on my PC. I'm at the drawing board. I'm working graphics. I'm working website. I'm networking. You know, I'm thinking about not just what I have now, you know, not just Gen 1, but I'm thinking about, you know, I love the Apple model where, you know, we have a pipeline yes. of products and every two years we have Gen 2, we have Gen 3, we have Gen 4 um, and how we upgrade software and functionality and how we, you know, become the epitome uh, of that crossroad of hardware and software. So, you know, I really don't sleep. Um, I might pass out at four in the morning. I'm up at six and at six wow. in the morning, my body feels like it's three in the afternoon. So wow. I'm just like that, you know, five scrambled eggs, a bagel four uh, four cookies, cup of coffee and an orange juice. And I'm good for the day. Hey, Mr. New York. <laughs> yeah, it. exactly. That was New That's York it. bagels, baby. There's, there's nothing like them, but uh, like hey, you and greatest. me are quite the same, man. I, uh, well, you know, I like, I love to sleep. It's just hard kind of with the schedule lately, um, actually, which is odd, but like last night, man, I didn't sleep one hour. I laid in bed for three hours looking up at the ceiling and I was like, well, this is a fucking waste of time. And I finally just got myself up, made a cup of Joe and tried to be as quiet as possible and got some, got a lot of work done, man. And then I realized the sun was up and I was like, damn, all right. I like this (laughs) once in a while, you know, all night, but Three, three in the morning, I will uh, pour an inch of scotch and uh, yes, sir. 
that'll sit next to the PC and, um, you know, chomping away, trying to figure out next step, next stage, next phase, you know, how I spread the word and, you know, get to a point where I have a rock solid manufacturable model. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and I'm real lucky that I have a phenomenal relationship with some super brilliant aerospace engineers that have all my specs, my blueprints. They understand, you know, the, uh, the software strategy, why that's so important. Um, and, and, and what we're going to do to really change the world, because the way I'm looking at this is nothing has come along since the, you know, launch and birth of the smartphone that actually changes the way people communicate with one of the most successful pieces of electronics that's ever come our way in our mm -hmm. lifetime. So I'm, I'm, I'm super excited about that. Amazing. So rapid fire. What's your favorite one? Let's see what it is. The New York skinny or the Chicago deep dish. What are you going with? New York skinny. I'm purebred Ooh. Manhattan. I'm New trying York to get, City. my goal is to get at least one New Yorker in my lifetime to admit that Chicago deep dish is better. It's never going to happen. I love Chicago happen. deep dish. Don't get me wrong. Okay. It's good stuff. Right. Hey, There's no question. I'll take it. It kicks ass. But, 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 you know, it's built into my DNA. You know, my, yeah, my old it. man grew up in Queens. My mother's from Brooklyn. Okay. So once you have a bite of that what link, we call the real deal. That yeah, link is strong. It. Okay. Strong. Yeah, and the water. Yeah, I respect. You just can't get that taste without the water. No. No, exactly. Exactly. All right, next question, Neil. Who's your favorite entrepreneur and why? So, I mean, another difficult question. That's kind of like asking me which kid I love the most. Um, just got to you know, choose, Ben Neil. Just got to choose. <laughs> got to choose. So, you know, I... Uh, I've read as a much younger guy, not that I'm an old man, you know, I'm pushing 50, but, uh, Hey, that's, you got a lot of years, man. You're, got, you're, you're in the prime of your life right now. I believe it. I feel it. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I've actually, as a much younger guy, for whatever reason, I did a lot of reading about Ray Kroc, um, and, and how, you know, he obviously mm -hmm. was the gentleman who took McDonald's from, you know, the side road stand to this right. global phenomenon. And he was a salesman. And I see myself to some degree as a salesman as well. You know, I love getting people excited about things that excite me, proving a point, you know, coming up with not just some kind of an objection, but something that changes somebody's opinion because I'm adding a new twist on a strategy that they might not have thought of. I like it. So, you know, Ray was an older gentleman. He, uh, he sold a product called a multi-mixer, was a, a, a malt machine, a, a, you know, an ice cream shake machine. And he had a bunch of them in his trunk. And he drove around the country selling ice cream shake machines to restaurants and stores. And, you know, anybody that could, you know, benefit from his product and his platform. And he walked into this little roadside hamburger place and he introduced himself to the McDonald brothers. And he sat down after Beautiful he sold them story. the multi-mixer. And, uh, you know, he was amazed at their system, at their strategy, what people were so, you know, uh, you know, in awe about the quality of the product, the price. You know, it was really like an exhibition kitchen where they were able to show their process and their strategy and how they were able to pump out, you know, something of quality in a, in a rapid fire period of time that could feed a family for, you know, two and three dollars. And so he saw the bigger picture. And he just did what he had to do. And he created this mm -hmm. strategy. He made a deal and he said, you know something, 
I'm going to do what I need to do. And we're going to take this thing global. Uh, and he really did. And he didn't really even understand how big it was and what it became. But uh, when McDonald's actually went public, he didn't understand. Ray Kroc didn't get it that every time that stock went up one tick, he made a million dollars for every tick that it went up. So, you know, that's what he did. That's what he created. And that's one of the beautiful things about people that, you know, dive into the deep end of something they may not really have a handle on, but, you know, jump into the casino of life and say, screw it. These are the dice. I'm going to rock. And that's it. Let's, yeah. let's jump. Is McDonald's so, also you know, your favorite startup story? That's definitely one of my favorite startup stories. It, mm -hmm. it, it really is. Um, you know, I, uh, I, I read, um, you know, Napoleon Hill's books as, as again, as a younger guy and all about, you know, being motivated and how to, you know, take fear and kind of keep it at bay uh, and look at the world where, you know, there's this giant glass wall and you're looking at this glass wall and you can't jump over it. You can't run around it and you don't have the strength to break through it. But everything that you want, everything that you desire, you can see it. It's tangible. And you need to figure out how you tunnel through. Um, and, and those are the stories that, you know, I live for. And those are the stories that I want to create, you know, in a hundred years from now, when my family is sitting at the Thanksgiving table, you know, after dinner, I want them to get up, walk down the marble hallway, go into the mm -hmm. library, stare at that oil painting on the wall. You know, you know, the oil painting I'm talking about, yeah. I'm sitting in a chair and my wife is standing behind me. Oh yeah. And just give me, just give me a minute of thanks. Cause some of the reason their sorry asses are there. <laughs> right? And then, exactly. and then go back to the table, go back to the table, have dessert and forget about me until the following year. Forget you know? about it. Yeah, you know, it's all about generational wealth and, and yep. making it happen. Beautiful. So on that journey, you know, the, the, the road to success is always a little bumpy. Uh, what's the most embarrassing moment so far in your professional journey that you could just almost like laugh at yourself or uh, it could be professional or non-professional, but, you know, keeping on the, the entrepreneurial journey that we're on right now. Let's uh, let's keep it there if we can. Yeah. So, I mean, to be honest with you, if you look at my personal economic path and you take that historically and you do a, a comparative analysis and overlay it with my EKG, it probably looks similar. Okay. Right? Okay. Interesting. <laughs> a lot of peaks and valleys. And why <laughs> is because, you know, I've had this, you know, information technology career in the investment banking sector, and that's allowed me to, you know, support my family and, and do some good things. Um, and, and I've left that sector. I left my comfort zone. And sometimes you have to leave your comfort zone if you want to accomplish something on a greater level. Yes. Right. And that's what we'll try to do is let's, you know, if you're scared of flying, get on a plane. That's right. If you don't want to bungee jump, tie your ass up to a mountain, do and it. Bungee jump. You know, theoretically, it doesn't have to be those exact examples, but do something that you wouldn't normally do because that you know, unnatural thing could become your comfort zone. And that's yeah. where you should have been. Yeah. And you've explored it. So you've done something about it, right? The house is on fire. You're running in. There's no question. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it, it, like a cockroach in a nuclear winter, you're going to survive. You're just going to. So I, uh, I left, this is about 10, 12 years ago. I left the investment banking infotech sector and I had done a lot of due diligence on the retail sector, retail stores, Restaurant service businesses, laundromats, 
um, and and I actually opened up a six thousand square foot laundromat, and I spent nine hundred thousand um, dollars, and and I built a beautiful store. Um, I had a hundred washing machines, a hundred dryers, video you know video games, TVs. I bought a van. Oh, we did pickup and delivery service, oh, wow. uh, dry cleaning, and it was a major laundromat. And I serviced the community that I was in. I only hired people, you know, employees that lived locally because I wanted to contribute and give back to the community. Hyper local. When the yeah, hyper local. When uh, when the police came in and they asked me if I wanted to support, you know, and sponsor block parties and community events, I didn't even think about it. It was anything I could do to get closer to the community. I did it. A couple of years later, you know, I had a booming business. We were making a couple of bucks and a gentleman came in and he loved the store. He was a, a major league laundromat owner and he wanted to buy my store. And so hey. I really didn't want to sell it. He kept coming in, made me a crazy offer. And, you know, I was blinded by a big check instead of being focused on long-term income. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I sold my store and I walked away I paid off all my debts, all my loans, and I walked away with a decent chunk of money. And I did not want to go back into the investment banking sector. I really wanted to roll my, you know, my profit into another business. And so, you know, I had some background in the restaurant and food service sector, uh, growing up, managing restaurants, bartending as a kid, as a teenager, you know, summer jobs, working in restaurants, becoming a manager, knowing purchasing inventory, payroll, food costs, scheduling, you know, all those types of things. And, you know, having know strong it. handle on economics and, and, and in the restaurant business, you know, if you can handle and understand food costs and labor costs, those are the two things you can control because everything else is a fixed cost. So I piled about a half a million bucks into a beautiful restaurant that I built from scratch. Um, and two years later, I was out of business. Yeah. So, oh, wow. you know, again, I did, uh, you know, I'm, I'm forensic due diligence. I do a ridiculous amount of homework. I left my comfort zone on two occasions. I knocked the ball out of the park in number one. And then with number two, I stepped in number two. And, you know, a lot of reasons, costs were out of line, labor issues, restaurants food cost tough. issues. You know, all the all kinds of all kinds of details that are difficult to understand. Um, and, and when you're in a situation, because, you know, I was trying to do it all, you know, and I think yeah. one of my downfalls is I was a micromanager. I wanted to help the customers. I wanted to be at the register. I wanted to cook. I wanted to purchase. And I didn't really give ownership of those responsibilities to a lot of people, which I should have delegated and let other people who have expertise own those you know, strategies. And I didn't. And so, you know, I bought the bullet and, you know, I wound up closing down. I was taking payroll from my pocket for a short period of time um, and, and just came to the truth. And sometimes the truth will set you free. Yep. And I got news for you. I Amen. shut it down and I feel better. And, you know, I'm back to my passion Solid. of what always you know, kept me pumped and alive and it, not just the career, but, you know, electronics and taking things apart, rebuilding them, components, power distribution, understanding engineering and physics um, and, and, and harnessing the things that I love. And, and that's what I'm trying to do now. Wow. Welcome back. Clearly it's working and you're onto something massive here. What is one of the great and one of the worst, most shitty pieces of leadership, leadership advice that you've ever been given? 
as a really junior guy, um, you know, I was on a team that really didn't have management. And I'm not sure if it was, you know, a verbal way of somebody saying, you know, try to figure it out on your own. Um, but what you never do is ever put, you know, two rookies together. Um, and as much junior guys, we were a bunch of rookies on a startup team at a small technology company that was really wanting to be um, an investment bank, a hedge fund, a buy side institution. I had a couple of bucks behind them and we really didn't have a lot of guidance and we really didn't have a strategy. Um, and, and I think just that was one of the issues where we wound up thriving. We wound up doing well. You know, the organization wound up doing well and, and things worked out. But it took years and it took us trying to figure things out on our own. And so it wasn't the verbal guidance. It was the lack of guidance altogether, which, you know, totally. is just a formula for failure. Um, and, and, and I've you know, I have people that report to me and I've been a manager for a number of years. And, you know, when I tell people I really have an open door policy, I tell them, I want you to picture that there is no door on my office. Picture the fact that I've taken the door off the hinges and walk in. If something's wrong, if something's going on, we are, you know, we're a team. I might be leading the team, but if you have a problem, I'll take it. It'll become my problem. You'll learn. I'll teach you. You'll never have to worry about it again because you'll have a new scenario that you've had to dealt with and deal with and you'll be able to use that experience to better yourself and the team and the strategy and the company and how you become an asset so you know it's uh it's all those kinds of details except for when they're coming in for vacation time and you send their ass right back out that front door right <laughs> you know what i gotta be honest with you there's a lot of people, you know, they deserve time off. I have people they that do. work for me, young guys, young girls, they're brilliant. And yeah. uh, I got to tell you something, you know, they're, they're trying to become an asset. They want to grow and I never get in anybody's way. So, yeah. you know, if you want to sit at the beach for a week, no sweat. You you your phone on. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. That's true. There you go. Hey, you've earned that unlimited holiday. There you go. There you go. Absolutely. Absolutely. What sport do you miss the most? since the 2020 shit show so i'm a i'm a huge football fan i oh, am a man. uh die hard jets fan believe it or not so you and you know, gary v huh yeah you know it listen i gotta be honest with you we are hardcore new yorkers you know obviously there's a lot of giants fans and i love them and i respect those guys but uh you know the jets are built into my dna um you know my son is uh he's 15 he loves football. He plays football for high school. And, nice. you know, unfortunately, there's no sports because, you know, the earth is not properly rotating on its axis right now. <laughs> so I like that. He's, uh, he's my son's 15. He's 6'1", 200 pounds of steel. Woo. And, uh, you know, you'd rather clothe him than feed him. I can tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> All those single ladies out there. We got a uh, we got a hunk for you. He's a good looking kid. No doubt. Hey, man. And he's got a lot more hair than I do. And if he's got the, if he's got the wits from your brain, oh geez, this guy Oof. might be unstoppable. Deadly combo, totally. He's awesome. He's awesome. If you could travel to any place right the second, where would it be and why? I uh, honestly, it's not exotic. It's more you know emotional. 
Um, you know, my parents are in Florida. They're 85 years old. COVID has kept them in the house uh -huh. for months and months and months. Um, you know, my old man's 85. My mother's, you know, 83. And, uh, you know, they're not in great shape uh, in general, but uh, mentally they're kick-ass, you know, sharp as a wit. But, uh, you know, they're, they're dealing with their own things. And uh, I just... I wish I could physically be there with them, give them a hug, you know, and we do a lot of FaceTime, a lot of texting, a lot of phone calls. But, uh, you know, obviously if they needed me, I'd be there in half a second. In but, a New York you know, second? In a New York second or less. But, you know, we uh, that's that's obviously and, and, and honestly, I should say, where, uh, where I'd be if I could be right this second. It's amazing, man. Well, you skated right through all those difficult little booby traps we tried to set for you man you did you crushed it thank you for uh thank you. enduring that with us so let's let's jump in now like let's hear about this freaking awesome invention you have phone quad why don't you tell us kind of how the actual idea came to be and look we want the real raw thing so if it's not you know you saw some family fumbling and it was your your homeboy joe that was on the pot trying to watch netflix just didn't want to you know let us know what well, how did it come to be man that's great that's great i appreciate it you know so a lot of times when uh you have a passion for something a lot of things come your way and and sometimes you grab hold of it sometimes you don't sometimes you make something of it and sometimes you think you know something ah oh, screw it and then you know it just happens to you know life just keeps going um and, and it's interesting because we were just talking about florida and my folks and about a year and a half ago i'm hanging out with my parents and my dad has really bad arthritis uh and and he loves to facetime with my kids so when he facetimes he actually you know dials the phone with his knuckle he takes the phone, he leans it up against a pile of books, and, you know, he just can't hold his phone. So I'm staring at him frustrated, and he's frustrated. And I'm thinking to myself, man, how many hundreds of millions of people globally are dealing with the same frustration that they just can't hold their phone because they have arthritis or neurological issues or Parkinson's or they're missing fingers or whatever it may be. And it's mm -hmm. not just his age bracket or his demographic, but so many. And so I'm thinking to myself, how cool would it be? It's just that light bulb. You know, how cool would it be if the old man could hold his phone as if he was taking a selfie, but let go of his phone because so it could just stay exactly where it is hovering in midair so he could walk away from it and have a hands-free video conversation with anyone or hands-free pictures or videos or whatever it may be that, you know, somebody wants to capture. Why do I need to use a selfie stick? And, you know, moving forward, I'm never going to have a stranger handle my phone. You know, if I'm with my family yeah, at the Statue of Liberty or the Eiffel Tower or someplace beautiful in the world, you know, and I want to take a family picture, guess what? I'm not going to be in the picture because I'm the one taking it. Or my wife's yeah. not going to be in the picture because yeah. she's the one taking it. I have little, you know, I, I don't have little kids anymore, but I have kids. And, you know, my son's 15. My daughter is 12. I have albums and albums, thousands of pictures over and the last 15 years. There. Dude, I'm not in there. Yeah, that's I am so not in frustrating, pictures. man. So, you know, and I'm thinking to myself, it, just that light bulb hit me. And, you know, I, uh, I'm just one of those people that, I don't procrastinate. I I've just take immediate action. And I sat down with a pen and a piece of paper and I started drawing 
what I felt mm-hmm. phone quad should be. And, you know, it, it was chicken scratch. I had a hundred drawings, right. 150 drawings in the first, you know, 48 hours. I was pumped. I said to myself, you know, I think I have something. I shared it with my dad. My father was like, that's cool. He didn't really get it at first. And then <laughs> sure. they never fine. do. They never do. And, you know, and, and I was like, dad, listen to me. I want to explain something to you. And I want you to use that deep analytical thinker that you are. Because my, my old man is, you know, he's a successful business guy for many years. He was blue collar. He was white collar. Um, and, and he's seen some incredible innovation. So, yeah, I mean, you know, I had taken a pen to paper and I made all these, you know, uh, everything that was in my head, I kind of wanted to put on paper. It was incredibly important to get, you know, the multi-dimensional effect of what I wanted to bring to life. And so, you know, I was talking to my dad about it because obviously, you know, the first thing that came to my mind was healthcare, you know, and I'm thinking about all these people that are suffering from the inability to properly hold their phone. And, you know, there's hundreds of millions of people that suffer from, you know, hand-related illnesses and, and things of that nature. And so as I'm thinking about phone quad and the design and the engineering and the physics and can it actually be built, you know, I kind of, although healthcare is an incredible use case, I started to realize all the other use cases that are out there, not just, you know, for specific individuals and definitely not for any one demographic, you know, and and coming to the realization that the large global drone manufacturers out there have already saturated, you know, the X Games and outdoors enthusiast demographic with their products. But what they've missed is, you know, I'm selling into the global smartphone user community. I'm not selling into the specific demographics that they're focusing on. So I have a niche that I think that they've missed. Um, And and being that those those large manufacturers are so powerful and have, you know, major capital behind them, you know, Sequoia Capital, Y Combinator, you know, Mm -hmm. all these major organizations that really do a fair amount of due diligence into organizations before supporting them. You know, these kinds of companies now have been able to pivot you know, their drone platforms into commercial applications yeah. where, mm-hmm. you know, they'll take this massive drone and they'll send it out to, you know, an Exxon oil rig and yep. they'll capture stress fractures and they'll be able to send that data back to somebody and not risk somebody's life, you know, so they can, they can analyze that information and see what the investment needs to be without putting somebody in harm's way. Now, obviously my platform is, you know, foldable, it's durable, it fits in your pocket, you can walk around with it. Um, and I thought what would be really cool is if I actually, you know, show you guys a 3D model. Oh, wow. There it is. That is beautiful. And so for the listeners just listening on a on an audio platform, oh, it's, it's a full on 3D. Looks like it was maybe built by 3D printer, huh? Like really yeah. high end one. And it yep. actually is holding his phone. Yeah. And it's uh, it's very beautiful. Thank you. I appreciate it. So. Basically, what you're doing is what you're looking at is phone quad. And oh, what's neat. really cool about it is this specific oh, cool. area right here, this is called an airframe, right? The airframe, mm-hmm. we're making somewhat universal. So I'm not focused just Love on it. Apple, but it's Apple, Samsung, Android, yeah, Google, you have to. You know, anything that runs on uh, Android platform, uh, you know, phone quad is compatible with. So, you know, the idea was the original and basic functionality is that, you know, again, I'm somewhere with my friends, my family, a party, a picnic, you know, I want to take a selfie. Um, and, and I don't have, you know, a, a selfie stick, but I do have my phone quad. 
So problem solved. I have the ability to deploy, open it at eye level. So let's say I'm six feet tall and I deploy phone quad at eye level. It's going to stay in that exact spot. Phone quad does not fly around. It doesn't move from location to location. Right. It's basically a, you know, a selfie stick without the stick. And what we've done is we've crossed UAV, you know, drone technology with a phone. So, you know, one of the taglines that I own is drone your phone. You know, that's uh, that, that's one of our registered that's trademarks cool. is drone your phone because you actually have the ability to instantly. And when I say instantly, epitomize the word instantly, convert your smartphone into a hands-free communication device, hands-free camera, hands-free pics and videos. Now, that's I so think, cool, man. Thank you. Thank you. And, and, and I think one of the next levels um, of, of things that we're going to be using and doing and promoting and, you know, selling into is the fact that, uh, you know, right now there are hundreds and hundreds of millions of videos being made and posted to social media platforms. Right. So right. The second. You know, by the, by right, the second, right yeah. the second, you know, Google is telling the world that, you know, every day, more than once a day, there are hundreds of millions of videos being uploaded to their servers, right? So when we think about YouTube and Instagram and Snapchat and TikTok, think about what phone quiet can do for all the folks out there that are, you know, make their living on social media or just yeah. are addicted to social media. So we're taking, you know, the ability to post your pictures and your videos to a whole other level. Now, add COVID into the situation, people are stuck in their homes. You're in your apartment, you're in your house, you're a YouTuber, you're a TikToker, you live on Instagram, you live on Snapchat. I want to make a quick video. I don't want to hold my phone. I can place my phone somewhere in my room and capture everything I'm doing and, you know, uh, and, and make that process so much more fun, so much easier. And it's just, you know, really disrupting the way people actually and physically hold and handle smart devices so you know to add on top of that one of the things that i've done um and, and it's also under you know provisional patent protection is i've scaled the phone quad exoskeleton to a larger size that fits tablets or ipads awesome. tablets of different kinds so now you have you know what looks like the phone quad but it can actually hover and carry an ipad or a tablet and although that really does fit well into the consumer sector, I'm really picturing, you know, the, uh, 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 you know, that type of scaled up model to be able to hover around, you know, an Amazon fulfillment center or a yeah. warehouse, or, you know, if I'm in my office and I'm in a warehouse that's a half a million square feet or a manufacturing facility, a Ford facility, a Tesla facility, and I need to find a specific individual um, and, and I don't have time to go get in a golf cart and drive around the factory, I can deploy my iPad or my tablet and my iPad or my tablet have the scaled up phone quad model. Can I go locate a specific individual? And when they find that person, they can, you know, you have a face-to-face conversation. Right. Without you physically know, being there. And the most successful ideas, the ones that are the easiest path to success are often those common sense ideas, the ones that really solve like an actual real world problem. And I can see that you're doing this here. You don't even almost have to sell it. It's just, it makes, you know, it's, it's pretty obvious what one can do with it. You know, hands, hands-free cellular device. 
Hey, we're curious. Uh, ben and I have had all, all kinds of really neat dialogue. We've got some some ideas for you, and you know, we've got a lot of juices flowing before this. How many phones have been destroyed in the making of for all the prototypes? You know, because surely, like, it didn't fly the first time. <laughs> so honestly, you know, what I did was is this is probably my tenth three D model, and what I've done was is I have purchased you know multiple larger drones you know that are let's say for for the sake of the conversation like a, a racing drone where it has a lot of speed it's got a lot of power and it's got some lift capability and so what i've done was is i've glued and taped and velcro mm -hmm. drones to the top of the 3d model and it's difficult to control because you know the weight the, the drone itself is powered by let's say four separate quadrants and each quadrant is separated by what's called power distribution board. And the mm -hmm. power distribution board is powered by, obviously, what's called a polylipo battery. So you have a power source. You have, let's call it a router, right? The power distribution is somewhat of a router. So instead of taking data and distributing mm -hmm. it to different systems, it's taking current. It's taking you know power from a battery, and it's evenly distributing it to motors that are consuming that electrical current. Right. And if it doesn't consume it evenly, you have something that becomes the wobbly goblin. Right. It doesn't have stability. And so we've added that stability. We've added proper power distribution. But what I don't yet really have is a true manufacturable working model. I've, I've made it hover. I know it can work. I've had, you know, 15 of these already. And, you know, this I use for presentations. Um, and, and to show off, and you know, it's really the wow factor because it can it can fold and obviously can fit in your pocket. Um, and and just to add, one of the you know I think more powerful pieces of the overall application is once it's deployed and it's hovering in front of you, and I walk ten feet or fifteen feet away. This is kind of where the software comes into place, where I have my AirPods in. You know, we're going to be writing software and creating an app so I can use voice commands to control it via Bluetooth. It's a great right? idea. Okay. So Thank like you. the follow me technology, but voice, huh? Yeah. So basically, you know, at this size, at this scale in Gen 1, we're not yet going to be implementing follow me capability because that would you be... You don't need it. No, we don't, we don't really need it in, in, in Gen 1, um, but we, we see it as a possibility, you know, somewhere down the line. But for me, you know, I am... I definitely have a hardware application, but the software is a key component, number one, because, you know, it's proprietary. You know, what we're writing is, is undoubtedly a proprietary piece. And number two, as we upgrade software, you know, in Gen 2, Gen 3, and you are, you know, you're an app owner, we'll be able to push that software to you. So, you know, you might not be able, you, you might not have to upgrade hardware, but your software upgrades and, you know, yeah. What we can do and functionality and, and things of that nature. So again, That's if I'm awesome, with my family man. and I have my AirPods in, um, you know, I can say take pick, zoom in, zoom out, take video, dial mom, you know, all those great things and leverage cool. Siri via Bluetooth. Yeah, and that that is the future. So where are you guys currently in uh, in your life cycle? Are you guys fun. So it sounds like you guys are kind of bootstrapping this from from your own 
pockets right now to kind of get the POC proof of concept dialed in? And then are your goals to raise money in the near future or are you just going to try and see if you can get some organic growth? So right now I am, uh, I'm lucky. I have a really great relationship with some brilliant aerospace engineers. Um, you know, they are a company called Xcraft. So it's xcraft.io. Um, these guys, their specific mission in life, they're, they're crazy guys like I am. They just love things that fly. You know, they want to, they want to break a toy helicopter and shove the rotors and blades into the roof of a toy car and make a flying car, you know, <laughs> out, of, out of something else. And, you know, that's, we can get into that also, but, you know, as a kid, that's, that was what I used to do is I used to break stuff, put it back together, you know, make stuff fly that shouldn't fly. Um, we won't talk about the pet cat. That was a different story. 